0: Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. It's okay. You can admit it. You're skeptical about all my commercials about SaveWithConrad.com. So was Nathan in Fairfield, Pennsylvania. He left us a five-star review over at conradreviews.com. And here's what he had to say. I've been hearing the ads for save with Conrad on his podcast network for years, but I was skeptical about it being able to benefit me. What was I wrong? The process was quick, easy, and has put my family in a better place. The service delivers all that is promised, quick and easy, as advertised. That's really what we do, Nathan, and thank you for your business. We greatly appreciate it at SaveWithConrad.com. Right now, we can save your family just like we did Nathan's. Skeptics are allowed and welcome, but if you've got a 30-year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, There's never been a better time to take advantage of this opportunity than right now. What we're talking about is saving tens of thousands of dollars from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to get dressed up in a three-piece suit for a two-hour appointment across town with a banker. Check it out right now, savewithconrad.com, and if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But what you're really getting is the peace of mind of knowing that you've got the best deal for your family with my family at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Come on, let's take a summer vacation from house payments at savewithconrad.com. Hey, Bruce, like uh, 30 years ago, you used to have that thing you'd say on TV when you had your white suit on, you'd get up real close to the camera and you'd say, what was that phrase again? I
1: love you. Who else loves you?
0: Well, how about Steven Singer? We love talking about our friend, Steven Singer, my friend and yours. Now we love Steven, but Bruce, the competition really hates this guy. He makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun.
1: Well, he's the very first to, uh, offer each and every guest the perfect price. Isn't Mr. Perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? I mean, are you a little uncomfortable at negotiating? You don't like to haggle. Just head on to Steven Singer Jewelers. Easy for me to say, but you can say it, Steven Singer Jewelers, and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the person next to you. And uh, you want to give them a little insider tip there, Conrad?
0: Absolutely. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. But the person next to you might be paying less. Do you want to... An important purchase like diamond jewelry to be based on your negotiating skills? Well, that's never the case at Steven Singer. Because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year.
1: Well, that's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy, even for you. Check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at Singer. Dot com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Welcome to something to wrestle
0: Coming with. Welcome to wrestle with. Bruce Bridget. Bridget. Well,
1: you know, that's not a rib. She put he it. It rip. No, yeah, me. There's no box of gimmicks. <laughs> rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor innuendo. and innuendo. And was
0: he there? I was there. Say
1: something about. I don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> I ain't scared of shit. I ain't scared of shit. Fuck You, Bruce. Ah, love You take cheese. Double cheeseburger. You take the grain. Double cheese.
0: What an egg, a dog. Oh, they're on your the Google machine. Goddamn, kid. Goddamn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more new yeah. What say you? Pronoun. And now, something to wrestle with. Gone Bruce Preacher, Eek,
1: the second most recognized Catholic in the entire world
0: today. Conrad oh. say. What did Vince say about that? Well, hey Vince, to the F. I showed a good night. Yeah, you're so good. Yeah. Let's go bullshit. Welcome to WrestleMania. Welcome to something, to wrestle, something, to, wrestle, something, to, wrestle something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? How do you know they're listening? Well, uh, we get download I guess numbers. In
1: order to hear your voiceal area, that they would have to like have their earl area tuned into the listen to and the thing.
0: Yeah, they do the furnum and the Schnevitz with a subscribe and the gimmick on the deal. And then here we are. Okay. Listen, uh picking like it. I'm digging it we're uh, we're a little late this week but i i can't put my finger on why i mean it's that's on you Is there?
1: <laughs> that's on you dog
0: is there uh is there anything interesting or, or or fascinating happening in your life these days bruce
1: boring as shit man you know
0: really nothing going we're on
1: not, I, you know i i i had uh I made myself a a turkey wrap today. Oh, a hot turkey wrap where I actually took the turkey out of the out of the thing and I put it in the pan, and I cooked it up a little bit, got it hot, and then I took the Swiss cheese and I put the Swiss cheese on top of it. Then I put the fucking the what's that thing called the lid on top of that to make it steam and make the cheese melt. While I was doing that, because I got a gas stove and I just turned on the gas stove, then I took the tortilla. And I took my tortilla and I made my tortilla hot in the thing. And then I put the tortilla once it got hot and the steam and all that shit and melted the cheese on top of my Turkey. Then I put that on the wrap and then I wrapped it up and then I ate it and it was hot as fuck. But I tell you one goddamn thing. It was good.
0: Can I just tell you That's
1: that all has been happening with me
0: without you knowing it. Did you realize, cause it, it occurred to me as you were rattling that off, you have become Jerry Jarrett. Instead of chicken salad, it's turkey wraps. You have become Jerry Jarrett. Well, you know,
1: you're already just starting to piss me off already. Like right at the beginning. I came in jovial. I came in with anecdotal story. Sure. About my boring life.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, your very boring life. Yeah. And
1: you just go you 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 start with the digs right off the right off the bat.
0: Well, I'll tell you what I'm excited about today's episode because it is one of our least requested topics of all time. Just kidding. It's Ahmed Johnson. And I'm just hopeful that you and I don't get injured recording it. Uh, but we are, uh, excited to be covering him today. Of course, talking about the uh, Pearl river plunge and all that that entails. Mr. Tony Norris was born on June 6th, 1963. So it was you and I are recording He's celebrating a birthday there in Lake Alfred, Florida. He's a high school athlete, finds his way to the University of Tennessee. He's playing football there. And it's been reported that he was a member of the Dallas Cowboys for the ninety ninety one season, but in all my research, I couldn't find anything about that. Do you know about this story that Ahmed allegedly maybe he was on the practice squad? Did you hear about Ahmed and the Cowboys?
1: Um, you know, I I can't say that I ever have there, Conrad. Don't know that ever heard that one.
0: Nobody. Maybe else. there
1: was a Tony, another Tony Norris that played football somewhere.
0: Supposedly, before joining pro wrestling, he's briefly a trainer of wild tigers, which feels like a uh, an uncut extra or whatever from uh, the Tiger King saga last year. You heard about this? He trained <laughs> wild tigers.
1: Well, I didn't know Tony that well. I didn't know that he was a damn Dallas Cowboy Tiger training some bitch.
0: I mean, this seems a little bit like those fantastical Manny Fernandez stories, does it not?
1: Man, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask if he played for the Miami Dolphins <laughs> at, at any point in his career.
0: Eventually, he's trained by Scott Casey, Ivan Putsky, and Skandar Akbar alongside Booker T and Stevie Ray. Of course, we know they're going to go on to be Harlem heat, and this is all happening in Houston, Texas. So when do you first hear about Tony Norris? Because that's your old stomping ground right there.
1: Yeah, I was gone by that time. Um, you know, Ivan Putski had, had started his, his school, if you will. Um, in a little, uh, what was it? Tex- Texas wrestling association or something like that, the TWA or some kind of thingy. And had, I knew about, uh, super collider and, uh, GI bro, which was Booker and Stevie. And I, I'd kind of, I'd seen them. Then of course, when they went to G, uh, global force wrestling Global, Oh yeah.
0: Global 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 wrestling Wrestling
1: federation. It's the GWF, not the GFW, the GWF. Boy, see, you got you started me with the dig, and now I'm going down that damn Memphis road. But uh, but I, I didn't I didn't know of Tony. I saw him on TV for Global uh, as Maldives, and big impressive son of a bitch man had a great look. But Tony really didn't come on our radar until Michael Hayes came aboard and Michael Hayes, I think had worked with Tony in Dallas a little bit and was singing his praises and saying, this is a guy that we should take a look at.
0: Are you tired of credit card bills with high interest rates, ready to pay off your credit card balances and start saving money? Hey, wait a minute. I am. Well, get a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Rates start at just 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. That's lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 19% APR. The rate can you,
1: a, can you get a fixed rate though?
0: You know the rate is fixed, so it'll never go up over the life of the loan. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 with no fees. We mean no application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, no prepayment penalties. Plus, you can even get your money in your bank account as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience and that's exactly what they deliver.
1: So we gotta do something special for our listeners. So just for my listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Russell. It's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Russell. Save money now.
0: Subject to credit approval, rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR and include a half a percent auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. That's lightstream.com forward slash wrestle. What is, uh, what is Moadeb? Moadeb. Yeah. What
1: is a Moadib?
0: Well, I don't know. Is it, is that a profession gimmick and I'm not familiar with it? Or is it just like a dude's name or whatever?
1: Oh, that's what he worked as in, in uh,
0: global. No, I got that. But I'm saying, you know, like we've heard, we've had like Isaac Yankum DDS. So we also had like a GI bro and a super collider. Right. So I don't think Mr. Collider went to school and they took like, you know, roll call in the morning collider comma super is Mr. Yeah. Collider here. Yeah.
1: Well, no, Mr. Collider was Stevie Ray.
0: Right. I'm with you, but I'm saying Moa D.
1: Moa D was, I think, uh, Sabu's big brother. There we he go. He wore big fluffy pants and and stuff like that.
0: So here's the thing. When you see this guy, you've got to be impressed. He's what? Like six two, six three, three hundred 300 pounds jacked. I can only imagine, you know, Vince McMahon takes one look at him. Goddamn pal. Uh,
1: oh man. You know, the thing about. Ahmed was, Ahmed oozed charisma. Right. I mean, he, he had a look, but he had a presence. When you look at a room full of people, Ahmed was going to stand out, just standing there, not doing anything, because he, he had a presence. He owned the space he was within. He looks like somebody, and it was, uh, it was an impressive sight to behold, I tell you.
0: So what's your first impression of him besides, Hey, he has charisma. He's big. What'd you think of his work? Is he just understandably still figuring it out?
1: Well, from the stuff that I saw in global, yeah, it was, it was a little rough and he was, he was new. So you looked at him and you, you've got to put that barometer on it and say, he still needs some time and he's, he's got to, uh, He's got he's got to learn, and admittedly, everybody saw that. However, there was a ton of raw talent underneath all of that that I think everybody agreed the potential of Ahmed was limitless.
0: He's going to do a a tour of Big Japan. Uh, So Big Japan Pro Wrestling was a thing back in the day, and he even winds up in Memphis working for the USWA. Was there
1: Little Japan?
0: Uh, no, not that I know of. Okay. Like, I know there's a new Japan, but I don't think there was an old Japan either.
1: Hmm. There was all Japan,
0: but there wasn't a, some Japan you see, it's like, it's all or nothing and it's, and and it's new or nothing and it's big or nothing, but I see what what you're saying. Perhaps we should have a little Japan and an old Japan and maybe a some Japan.
1: But we didn't. We didn't, this was confusing.
0: It is. Let's talk about this though. The future John Bradshaw Layfield is even going to be working with Ahmed, the USWA. They're going to feud over the NWA North American heavyweight title. It's an interesting time in wrestling. This is sort of predating social media and YouTube. Does he get his first big break with the world wrestling federation through his matches in the USWA? Does he send in a tape? How do you recall Ahmed first getting a look, uh, in Michael New York? Hayes,
1: bringing him to us and, and saying, you got to take a look at this guy. He's got a ton of potential and it, it was pretty much on Michael's recommendation to bring Ahmed in and take a look at him.
0: So how does that work when you say, bring him in and take a look at him? We're just going to set him up and work a dark match before a raw or something like that.
1: Yeah. Back in the day, you would, you would contact talent. You would try to look at, uh, whatever tape, whatever is available on what on talent at the time. Um, It wasn't, we didn't have a big internet thing that you could just go online and find tapes of people and find their work. So you relied on videotape. You relied on people sending you things in this case, you know, we had seen some tape on him, but we're going off of Michael's recommendation, brought him into a TV taping. I don't remember where. And, uh, so come on in, man, let's take a look at you.
0: Best I can see. He made his first appearance on July 15th, 1995. It's a house show in Houston, Texas. And, uh, he's wrestling it, under. That's his,
1: probably why. Cause that's where he lived.
0: He's wrestling under his real name. Um, Tony Norris against Rico Suave. And, uh, once he signed, he's going to become Ahmed Johnson and he makes his pre-television debut at in your house three, September 24th, 1995, His televised debut is October 23rd, 95. So once he gets a look, he's moving up fairly quickly, but we'll circle back to that. First, I want to bring this up. He's done interviews where he said when he first talked to you guys, he lied about the his age and the miles he had on his body. Uh, at the time he would have been, I think freshly turned 32 or yeah, 32 years old. Do you remember him representing himself as a younger man? The only other time I heard that story was the old boogeyman story. And that jumped off the page when I saw that maybe Ahmed had done the same stunt.
1: No, I I had never heard that story. Now he might've lied to JJ or somebody like that, but to my knowledge, you know, was never brought up.
0: So we should also add context when he's coming into the WWF, uh, Bill Watts is here for, I guess what we could call in hindsight, a cup of coffee. But Jim Ross wrote in his book that when Bill gets his hands on Ahmed or I'm sorry, Tony Norris, he wants to call him Buck Johnson and J.R. remembers rolling his eyes thinking, Oh God, please. No. Do you remember that even being considered Buck Johnson as a name for Ahmed Johnson? I do not. Um, J.R. would write. It was the first time that Vince had overruled the cowboy in a way where it was at least expressed to Jr. that bill was upset about it. How quickly did, did in hindsight, do you think the, the powers that be, if you will, Vince McMahon realized, Hey man, this bill White's idea, this ain't going to work.
1: Well, I think that that was more of bill realizing all of a sudden that, Hey, there's, there's one person, the buck does actually stop somewhere and that buck stops. Uh, at the chairman and no matter where you are in the company, the buck stops at the chairman and Bill wanted it to stop with him. And that just wasn't going to happen.
0: Hey, Bruce, did you realize that some of those big box stores, like maybe you need to go get some motor oil or some wiper blades or, you know, those big box car parts stores, did you know they had two pricing tiers, one for mechanics and one for guys like me and you?
1: Ah. I'm sorry, you're, you're going to have to explain that one to me. What do you mean they have two different? What's going on
0: here? Here's the deal. If you go into one of those big box retailers and you are a mechanic, then you have a special price. But if you're just regular Joe Blow like me and you, Bruce, they're going to charge you up to twice as much for the same parts. At rockauto.com, they don't do that. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers and you'll always get the lowest price possible. They don't have different pricing tiers like airlines do. It's not based on what the market will bear. It's the same great price every single time. And Bruce, they have everything you could ever need for your car. Hail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, whether it's for a daily driver or your classic car, everything can be delivered right to you directly to your door. And by the way, Bruce, the catalog at rockauto.com is so easy, even you can do it.
1: Rockauto.com catalog is unique, it's easy to navigate, and you get to quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need is at rockauto.com.
0: So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you get to that How Did You Hear About Us box, please write the word wrestle so they know that we sent you. That's rockauto.com. And at checkout, you'll see that How Did You Hear About Us box. Please write in the word "wrestle." And let them know Bruce Pritchard sent you. Talk me through the name Ahmed Johnson. Can you offer any insight on how we landed on that name? We've often heard like with Stone Cold, he got faxed a list of silly names and, you know, Frosty McFreeze and shit like that. Anyway, do you remember there being an idea of how this, this Ahmed became the way to go?
1: It was a combination of a lot of different names and using creative services, but a lot of different people trying to come up with a name and something new and different. Uh, also, consulting with talent, and Tony was consulted and wanted to have a name that he was comfortable with, and it, it was a combination of a lot of different things. It just fell into place, and we landed on Ahmed Johnson.
0: His first match we mentioned July 15th, 1995, it's Houston, Texas. Any chance you were at that show? I mean, by 95, you're living in Connecticut, right?
1: Yeah. But I I believe that it was a television taping as best I can remember.
0: I thought it was a house show, but you could be right. I Uh, could
1: be wrong too. We're in the run that's ever happened.
0: I want to add context to this again. It's July of 95. So we're not too far removed from the debut of Monday Nitro when, when the announcement is first made that, Hey, WCW is going live on Monday nights, and of course we don't know exactly what all they have in store, but we just know, Hey, they're trying to go head to head. Is it important for you to try to create new? It feels like a lot of times with whenever we talk with JR or yourself, you always sort of gravitate back to wrestling fans want new. And yeah,
1: I would say that was the case no matter what.
0: Yeah. But does the volume, does the search come on? Like, okay, we know they got Savage. We know they got Hogan at that point. You don't know Luger's out, but still does somebody somewhere say, God damn, we need to start getting some fresh faces in here just in case.
1: I think that that, first of all, that's probably always the case. It's a matter of, you know, you ride that line of is talent ready and, or not. And where's that new going to come from when you look at, Everything that was available at the time, and you look at just fresh talent, um, and and not even necessarily new, but fresh and and different. Ahmed was fresh and different. Ahmed had just an animal magnetism about him that made him unique and stand out in the crowd. He was real, man. When 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 Ahmed came in, you you, you felt him come in.
0: When he walks through the curtain. He looks and presents like he's a star, right?
1: People look. Yes, he he could he could come out as is No Name Smith, and people go, "Fuck, look at that! (laughs) Look at old No Name!" And he he would grab people's attention on his presence alone.
0: Who do you think he credits with that? Like, sort of harnessing the intangible it, you know, the, the way to captivate a crowd. Just when you just bust through the curtain, I mean, I'm not saying that to be funny, but did putsky teach him that Did Skandar teach him that did Casey teach him that I'm not seeing a lot of like, Oh, well that guy obviously, or is it just something that was within him? You think?
1: I yeah, his mom and dad probably gave it to him because when you look at everything else, um, Putsky was an intense guy. Putsky yeah. knew how, how to make an impression and come out big. And, and you look at the people that trained him, but what Ahmed had was that it factor that you can't just put your finger on and say, Hey, he's got that. Yes. He has charisma. Yes. He has size. Yes. He has look. He has uh, intensity and everything about it, you know, came together with him. I don't know that what Ahmed had that was special was something that was necessarily taught to him.
0: So he debuts originally as Ahmed Williams in a dark match after the, in your house, number three in Saginaw, Michigan. If you're keeping score at home, this is the pay-per-view where diesel and Sean win the tag titles from Davey Yoko and Owen. Uh, we recently talked about that on, uh, our diesel episodes. Anyway,
1: I I don't remember that episode.
0: (laughs) Ahmed debuts and defeats skip. Chris Candido and Meltzer said there was a messed up finish. Any insight into the name change from Williams to Johnson?
1: I don't even remember that we ever even called him Williams. So there you go. I think that, uh, you know, you, you go back and you go through and try different things. And it's funny when you get used to something, I'm so used to Ahmed Johnson that I couldn't even like Ahmed Williams just doesn't even fit.
0: Yeah, it seems you weird. What I'm yeah, it seems weird.
1: Yeah, it's like Ahmed Johnson is powerful. It felt big.
0: Uh, Ahmed would pin uh, Rad Radford in a dark match, and then defeat Tim Knox at a Superstars taping, and finally he debuts on television in one of the biggest ways we've seen on a Monday Night Raw. It's October thirtieth, nineteen ninety five. Owen and Yokozuna are beating down Razor Ramon and the One Two Three Kid when all of a sudden Ahmed Johnson emerges. And body slams Yokozuna, uh, it's written in the newsletter, which I'm relatively certain would be the heaviest wrestler in history to go up for a body slam. And, uh, yeah, bulldog then went to attack Johnson. And when he saw him, he backed off Smith pinned Janetti with a power slam lot to unpack here, but what a way, I mean, this was once upon a time, the way you got over a new talent or an existing talent is they body slammed a big guy whether it was Hogan and Andre or it's Luger and Yokozuna, but for a debut slamming Yoko at probably his heaviest, that's a big deal, man. It
1: was a huge deal. And part of it was, was when you looked at the immovable force and the whatever object and all that good stuff, it was impressive as hell. And the, the roster looking at it, who could possibly do that? It needed to be something new, something fresh. And if you want to make a big impact, that was something that Ahmed could pull off. Yoko was up for, and you know, you remember it and people were going, who the fuck was that guy? Did you see that guy pick up that 500 pound plus Yokozuna and slam his ass? Um, yeah, it's a hell of a way to make a first impression.
0: Chat me up about Yoko's attitude here. You know, we've, we've covered the fact that Yoko was the, the main event and the world title at WrestleMania nine and 10, but here we are on the heels of 11 and he's moving down the card. No problem with uh, letting a debut and character body slam him in his first appearance, not at all. And another thing worth mentioning. I believe this is the last TV taping that bill Watts worked as a part of the company before he wound up leaving. Do you remember bill being one of the driving forces behind Ahmed really thinking, Hey, this guy could be the future.
1: We all did, you know. It was, it was something that everyone was excited about in seeing Ahmed and looking at someone that hadn't been exposed to any great length. He had been on a uh, global GWF. That was it. Yeah. Um, but he had been on his Moadib. So this was really Ahmed's first national exposure, and you had a blank canvas to work with. So everything that you, you did with him was going to be new and it was going to be introductory and it would be the first time for him on many, many levels. That was the beauty of of Ahmed. I think that that was something that everybody was excited about because it wasn't taking another character and, and trying to adapt it to what we do. It was you're creating a brand new character and being able to take this animal charisma and this fucking everything that he had. And now you've got a clean slate.
0: I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death in 2019, nearly 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 43% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis or use ride-sharing services too. Law enforcement are on the lookout and riding tickets, so why take the risk? Seatbelts save lives. So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Chat me up a little bit about, and this is going to be a bit of an awkward conversation, I'm sure. But at this point, it feels like Watts probably would have been one of the guys pushing for, Hey, we need an African-American top guy. Uh, He had certainly set the woods on fire with junkyard dog a generation before, but it feels like at this point, that's still sort of lacking in American professional wrestling. Uh, I know that WCW on the other side had tried it with. Ron Simmons, and it was a great effort and we had a lot of great matches and it was a special moment and it's still very important and we value it to this day, but it didn't exactly shake out to be the top draw. Maybe that WCW had envisioned when they had tried this with junkyard dog down in mid South, was that a a conscious effort that, Hey, this is the guy, right? I mean, it feels like Ahmed Johnson could have been that guy.
1: Uh, yeah, Ahmed could have been green. He probably would have been that guy. He, he just, again, there's, you take Sid, for example. Um, Sid, you just looked at, Sid walked into a room and had that that same animal magnetism. And Sid wasn't going to get 95,000 stars on his matches or what, what have you. Um, but he had charisma and he had something very special about him. And it's, it's the same thing with Ahmed. I don't think it would matter.
0: So Ahmed's going to make his raw in-ring debut and defeat Jake Steele with the Pearl River Plunge. Do you know who would have helped name that and whose idea this was for a finish?
1: The the Pearl River uh yeah, I believe was something that, you know, in discussions with Ahmed back and forth, and I do believe that Bill Watts was involved in this, was was just something in, in telling his story. And, and believe it or not, you know, Roots was, was one of the, I guess, resources used that Ahmed was very passionate about. And it all just came up. Where's it gonna come from? Pearl River, Mississippi. And that's why we came up with the Pearl River Plunge. I don't know if it was Watts that named it or Michael Hayes, but it was, it's, you take it, you take this fucking sit out power bomb that he does and you give it his own name so that it, it is identifiable with Ahmed.
0: Let's, uh, let's keep it rolling here and let's talk about Shawn Michaels. Let's remember that he is one of the top guys in the promotion. He's fresh off of a world title match at WrestleMania 11. We know he's going to be crowned the new champ at WrestleMania 12, And almost right away, you see Shawn Michaels doing a promo where he's talking about tagging with Ahmed Johnson at survivor series. I mean, this has to be one of the strongest debuts in company history. He debuts and the first time we see him. He's body slamming Yokozuna and now the heir apparent to the world title is talking about tagging with him at the survivor series. Vince just sees money with this guy. Does he know it?
1: You know, there's an old adage. It's you you go back and you look at even the territory days where when you brought someone in, if you brought them in on top, they were viewed as a top
0: guy. That's right.
1: And it was a lot harder to get someone over if you brought them in underneath and they worked their way up the card. Now, that takes time to do. You bring someone in on top and they deliver and it's somebody that people go, holy shit. Um, Ahmed was a holy shit kind of guy They bring him in on top. They're going to accept him as the top guy.
0: The wildcard team at survivor series 95 has Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, Davey boy, and psycho Sid defeating razor Ramon, Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and Dean Douglas. So as you run through that, I mean, with the exception of Dean, it's all top guys. And obviously Shane Douglas, very capable wrestler, but the Dean Douglas character never quite got there. But everybody else here, I mean, this is main event stuff, dude, all the way around. Do you remember there being any backlash in the back? I know that sounds silly, but you've got a lot of other guys who have probably been waiting and thinking, Hey, what about me? And maybe raising their hands saying, Hey, this isn't fair. I've been here this whole time. And this guy comes in. Yeah. 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 Does that exist for Ahmed?
1: That exists for everybody that ever got into a top spot that, with people that felt that they should be in that spot. So, you know, sure, of course it did. I I think that no matter what, if someone has been there forever and they get in that spot, oh, the guy's been here forever, they couldn't do anything with him. Why are they in that spot? Someone new comes in and gets in that spot. Hey, I've been here forever. I should get that spot. (laughs) It goes both ways. And that is the wrestling business, as some people say.
0: So let's talk about what's next for him. He's going to be programmed with Dean Douglas for an upcoming in your house. And the rumor and innuendo at the time was Ahmed was going to work with King Kong Bundy to get over on another big man, but with Shane Douglas wanting out of the company, the decision is made to have Ahmed beating him on the way out. Is that the way you remember it? That originally the plan was Bundy, but when Douglas sort of gives his notice, we adjust course.
1: You're killing the business, Bundy. Every time you cash a check, you steal it money, Bundy. I don't. I, you know, uh, I, I really don't. I know that Ahmed coming in, that, yeah, we were looking to do a lot of things with Ahmed. And you put him with top guys and top programs. So, uh, specifically, remembering he was going to work with Bundy? Bundy? No, I, I sure don't remember that at
0: all. So let's talk about December 18th, 1995. It's written in the observer. Ahmed Johnson is so strong and clumsy doing his power moves that guys who work long programs with him are candidates for back problems. So clearly someone had already put a bug in Meltzer's ear that they didn't like working with Ahmed. When did you guys first start to hear the rumblings of, Hey, maybe he's not the safest guy out there.
1: I think that when the bell rang, (laughs) a lot of times that there you could hear guys saying, Oh man, I don't want to work with Ahmed. Ahmed was snug, Ahmed was clumsy, Ahmed was green, and still needed work. Um, But you, you know, you take that and you try to learn them all the way down from Ultimate Warrior, Sid. uh, on down the line, there are a lot of guys and you try to work through that, but without a doubt, I think that there was a lot of talent that just by looking at Ahmed didn't want to get hit with any of those closed lines or some of those tackles.
0: Do you remember Shane Douglas having a problem with the push Ahmed was getting? I mean, it's sort of the tale of two guys, right? Like one comes in and he's positioned right away as a top guy. The other guy has had success in an ECW and a prior WBF run and WCW Bunch of tag runs over there feels like, Hey man, I got the right look. I got the right background. I got the right experience and now they're pushing Ahmed Was Shane upset with this.
1: I don't know if he was or not. Uh, but again, I I think you're comparing apples and pomegranates at that point, because one guy, as you said, had been around, he wasn't getting over in that position and Ahmed was, you know, a new talent that was coming in that was going to be. Hey, here's an experiment. Let's, let's go with this. We've tried with the tried and true and, um, let's try something else. You're still going to go with the tried and true, but you're going to use them to help get Ahmed over.
0: So let's mention the, uh, the Ahmed Dean Douglas match doesn't happen. Douglas hurts his back. He's replaced with buddy Landell, And here's what the write-up looks like. I met pin buddy Landale in 42 seconds with the Pearl river plunge. Dean Douglas came out and said he was scratched from the show by the doctor with a bad back, but was bringing in Landale as his replacement. Landale came out to Ric Flair's old WWF music. And then he jumped Johnson who didn't sell anything after the match. Johnson spanked uh, Douglas with a paddle Lawler then interviewed Johnson. And when Jarrett came back, he, uh, he broke a plaque over Johnson's head. Jarrett hit him several times with brutal chair shots and the two brawl to the back. Johnson didn't seem to know what to do because the brawl looked pretty bad. So Ahmed would, would mention that he felt like, uh, you know, his spanking of Dean Douglas was essentially a punishment for Dean, but I'm more curious about the whole buddy Landell replacement. I, I, as I've gotten a little older and learned a little more about his story, I'm more fascinated by him than some other characters that we probably won't ever get to talk about. What do you remember about buddy coming in for this?
1: This was, I believe during the time, you know, Cornette was there and I think Courtney was there or, or we were doing something. It was during the same time, rock and roll would come in and some different guys from smoky mountain, but, um, yeah, buddy coming in was interesting you know buddy landell i i I had known buddy since buddy's first year in the business um coming in and you know brown haired buddy landell super nice guy um full of shit but buddy no matter what and where first of all the nature boy buddy landell in my opinion um was not a good choice of gimmicks because you're 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 a a low rent copy of a guy that lives the gimmick and is the gimmick and Nature Boy Ric Flair who took it from Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, but Rick lived up to the Nature Boy. Rick made the Nature Boy and was whatever and was still doing it. Okay, at the time, so. Uh, Buddy Landell was, was somebody that I think a lot like Lex Luger, but not to the same extent, had a career on potential because every opportunity that Buddy ever had to be a top guy, um, never panned out. And they tried in mid South, they tried in different places to, to put Buddy in that top position because Buddy could talk in the dressing room. He's just going to talk people into the building.
0: Let's talk about uh, another blind strutting around town. It's Jeff Jarrett. Why is Jeff the right first opponent, like for a real program? Because you know that Jeff is a capable in ring performer and he can get heat and et cetera, et cetera. Or is there another approach?
1: No, it's Jeff's temperament and Jeff being able to take someone, slow him down, teach him a little bit of psychology and set the pace for the match. Ahmed had a tendency to rush through things and go 9 million miles a minute, which would have been fine back in the olden days of uh, TV wrestling where you go out and you have two-minute matches and things of that nature. But the idea about putting Jeff with Ahmed was so that Ahmed could learn, and you could have someone that would be a general in the ring and be able to lead Ahmed through it.
0: Let's, uh, let's mention that before 95 is over, Ahmed's going to win the USWA title from Jerry Lawler and then drop it to Jeff Jarrett. Obviously there's a a big working relationship here with USWA and the WWF, but by rumble 96, we've got Ahmed taking part in his first singles pay-per-view match, and it's of course against Jeff Jarrett. Uh, They go six minutes and 40 seconds. Ahmed wins by DQ. But Meltzer would be pretty critical of his in-ring work. He says, Johnson is really green. The transitions from spot to spot were weak. Jarrett tried to carry it, but it's hard when nobody buys Johnson being in trouble because he's so physically impressive and doesn't know how to sell to overcome the impressive size. After a sidewalk slam, Johnson did a dive over the top rope and crashed into the guardrail in the process. Johnson then did a full somersault splash off the top and missed selling the knee. Jarrett used the figure four, but Johnson reversed it. He tried it a second time, but Johnson kicked him out of the ring. Jarrett came in with a guitar and came off the top rope, smashing it on Johnson's head for the DQ. And the guitar shot sounded great. Johnson kneeled over from the shot, but recovered before Jarrett was back in the dressing room. And he got up and ran after him, but never caught him. So star in a quarter, but it is interesting to see sort of Meltzer's opinion here that, Hey, nobody's buying that. He's in danger because he looks so. Great physically. And of course he's saying that, well, he probably doesn't really know how to sell yet either. Is that a fair assessment that he's such well, a Jack dude? It's hard to, it's hard to believe that he's getting beat up.
1: Well, I'm mean, at again, it, he did look great and he did look like it was hard to beat him up. And he did look like somebody that was very difficult to get any heat on. But a lot of that comes back to time, timing and learning. So, We knew what we had. We knew that we had someone green and we knew someone, we knew we had someone that needed development. So this was, you know, a time where it's like, okay, he's going to have to slow down. Each and every night was a learning experience for him. And each and every night you had to just, okay, we're going to work on this tonight. We're going to work on this tomorrow night. We're going to work on this next week and continue to let him grow. If he had the capability to grow.
0: Bruce, did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? I and mean, is that really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention the experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance.
1: Well, I need to introduce you to Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that.
0: I got to tell you this has been my experience. I uh, I enjoy my fair share of daily fantasy and Stat Hero to the rescue, man! I feel like I'm in total control, and you will too. Stat Hero in Daily Fantasy is the way that Daily Fantasy is meant to be. One on one, play Stat Hero now and change the odds.
1: Well, go to StatHero.com/slash Russell. Sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a three hundred percent match. That's unheard of. Go to StatHero.com/slash Russell. Stathero.com slash wrestle restrictions apply. See stathero.com for details.
0: What'd you think of him taking these chances? You know, doing the dive and crashing into the guardrail, the somersault splash. That's a big fella to be doing all of this. It feels like somebody in the back would have been saying, Whoa, 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 big fella.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm one of those people that's not real crazy about that, Uh, especially, I'm not sure that Ahmed had a lot of experience doing those things and just figured, well, hell, I can do it, let me go do it, (laughs) Um, not necessarily knowing how to do it, so again, man, it's like you see that and your mind tries to compute it and go, well, hell, maybe that doesn't fit, it doesn't feel right, and um it didn't and then ahmed crashed and burned where it looked like it should have killed him but it didn't didn't know how to sell that either
0: let's mention um he's got a match scheduled for in your house in the louisville gardens he's supposed to wrestle jeff Jarrett, but Jarrett gets hurt the night before in a match against ahmed for the uswa where he did the dive and his back locked up and he couldn't continue is this a worry when you've got sort of cross promotional things going on that guys could get hurt. I mean, now you can't deliver on a pay-per-view match and it's essentially because you were trying to help a guy and do a favor, right?
1: From day one, I I think that's something that has always been a concern. That's again, you, you invest in talent and then you loan them out to someone else, you don't have the same rings, you don't have the same equipment. You don't necessarily know who they're working with. A lot of times this case, not the case, but it's still, it's. It's dangerous and if, uh, horrible, horrible to say, but if, if someone is going to get injured, at least get injured on your time in some place where you hopefully can do everything you can to prevent that in advance and in independence and, and outside of our jurisdiction, that's difficult to do.
0: So let's talk a little bit about, uh, what's next for him. WrestleMania 12, I guess we should mention there was a dark match where Ahmed beat Isaac Yankum, whatever. Uh but WrestleMania 12 we recently covered was Ahmed teaming with uh Yoko and Jake Roberts. And the immediate pullback on the push for Ahmed seems to be noticeable here. I mean, I know it's all decent talent. I mean, Jake was once a top guy, clearly so was Yoko. Uh Vader has been near the top of the cards. So have Owen and Davey. But when it feels like, man, we're slamming Yoko, we're working with Jarrett, uh, Shawn Michaels is name dropping us in promos. It feels like, Hey man, we're on track for the IC or, or we're going to be challenging for the world title soon, but he's in a six man. Is this simply because we don't think he has the in ring, uh, skills yet. And we love his charisma, but we need him to get more familiar and more comfortable and get some more ring time or go ahead, go ahead. Finish. No, I was going to say, or is it more of a, Hey man, uh, you know, we've already got our story sort of laid out for WrestleMania. We're going to get him on the card here, get him featured, get him a payday. And then we've got plans on the other side.
1: Yeah. Go back and look at WrestleMania 12. The the card was stacked and to be on it is a big, big moment in and of itself. So to be on it be featured with the top guys that he was in there with, I think is good. He didn't have a program at the time and still, yes, you need ring time and you need to build and you need to continue to do all this. Even when you bring him in on top, you still have to build them.
0: Let's talk about, uh, by the way, if you want to hear more about that match, we just covered WrestleMania 12. Um, but I think you would say, and then the bell ring, uh, but check it out in the archives. Uh, Ahmed starts working with, uh, Davey boy Smith. And they're doing arm wrestling segments on TV and the house shows. And this is a little old school, but it was still working. I mean, you guys were doing this as late as 97 on a regular basis. What do you remember about sort of the dying days of the arm wrestling challenges on house shows?
1: Well, <laughs> you know, i I think that it is still a viable contest for God's sakes, you know, there, there are. You go on ESPN, there's a lot of shows on arm wrestling and everything. Whenever you have two big, strong bastards like that that look the way they do, um, that's one of the questions. You know, it's like the, the, the old deal of whenever you'd see somebody and you see a big guy, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, man, how much you bench? And it's like, I can beat you at arm wrestling. Um, it's as... Caveman and basic as it gets that people can understand. Who's going to win in arm wrestling? And it's a way to do a different type of contest that'll get you into something else.
0: Let's uh, let's talk about besides these arm wrestlings uh, matches. What's next? Of course, it's the Omaha in your house. We recently covered good friends, better enemies. I'm Ahmed opens the show, tagging with Jake in a losing effort. The Davy Boy and Owen Hart. Uh, it's important to note that as of this point. Ahmed Johnson has yet to be pinned. Is that a conscious effort? Hey, we're not gonna beat him.
1: I you know, I believe it was, and it was something that is had to be special, and we were looking for the right time and the right place and the right opponent to do that.
0: I also want to mention uh the, the big Kuwaiti Cup that you and I've talked a lot about back in the early oh, days of, of something to wrestle. The company's gonna go for a Middle East tour and Ahmed Johnson winds up beating Triple H in the finals. The Kuwaiti cup, these are sold shows remind everybody what the concept here is.
1: Well, it it was, I think it was a three or five day tour something like that. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was a crazy, brutal international tour. Um, but it was a sold show and they wanted to do a, a champion of the region. So it was hence born the Kuwaiti cup. And this was an opportunity <laughs> uh, to have Ahmed, you know, win a prestigious championship without winning one of the prestigious championships just yet. So he could make claim to being the first ever Kuwaiti Cup champion.
0: This Mother's Day and Father's Day look no further for the perfect gift than paintyourlife.com. It's worked for me every time, and when I say every time, I mean it. I've used painterlife.com to bring tears to the eyes of my mom, my dad, even my father-in-law, and right now I'm ordering one for my mother-in-law, all from painterlife.com. My mother-in-law's life is her dog Missy, and this year my wife and I knew exactly what to get my mother-in-law for Mother's Day—a painting of Missy. It really is that simple, too. All we needed was a, a picture from our phone. Boom—we're up and running. You see, painterlife.com can really create a hand painted portrait to fit almost any budget. And it's the perfect gift for your mother, your father, or both. I've used it, as I said, on almost every person in my life. I've given these to my wife. I've given it to my cousin, my mom, my dad, my father-in-law. If I'm looking to give a truly meaningful personable gift, I know the painterlife.com has my back and they're going to make it easy. You can go ahead and start the entire process in less than five minutes. And what's really cool about PaintYourLife.com is they can even combine photos. Maybe you want to put two people who never met in one of your favorite vacation spots. You can do that. Just upload the photos. Bam, you're good to go. Maybe grandpa never got to meet his grandson. With PaintYourLife.com, that can become a reality. You can put people and places together, even if they've never been there, You pick the artist, you pick the medium. Do you want oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even go ahead and pick out an awesome frame. The whole process to get started, as I said, takes less than five minutes, and you can actually get your painting in as little as two weeks. But you work hand-in-hand with the artist to get every detail perfect. If you're looking to get those waterworks going, to have your mom or your dad tear that paper and just almost be overcome with emotion, that's what I got, and I've never gotten that reaction to a gift card. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. There's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded guaranteed. And right now as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping. Now to get this special offer, just text the word wrestle to 87204. That's wrestle to 87204. Text wrestle to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paint slash terms for details. Yeah. So there you go. That and $10 will get you a coffee at Starbucks. Uh, that'd be $20 these days. uh, It's cheaper down here in Alabama.
1: Well, you know,
0: so here's what uh, a lot of people remember when Ahmed finally loses and, uh, what a moment it was May 27th. Of 1996 Monday night, raw, as a reminder on the other channel, Scott hall is going to walk down the uh, stands on nitro and, uh, the, the Genesis of the NWO is here, but Vader is wrestling. Ahmed Johnson here on Monday night, raw. It's a King of the ring qualifying match. Owen Hart is going to hit Ahmed with his cast as a reminder. Owen had been doing commentary, but he's going to interfere to help Vader gain the victory. And the result is Ahmed Johnson is knocked unconscious and therefore loses his first pinfall. And eventually they put him on a stretcher, take him backstage. Goldust is going to give him mouth to mouth. When Ahmed wakes up and sees the gold dust on his face, he starts going crazy. He snatches Bob Holly against the wall. He he runs a guy through gold dust dressing room door this is a big time angle and probably the biggest piece of business Ahmed has had in his wrestling career yet. I mean, he's the final segment on raw. This is a cool moment for him. Is it not?
1: Yeah. It was really the first, when you look at, you know, a big singles opportunity. Um, this was a big opportunity for Ahmed and gold dust was red hot at the time. So to be able to put those two together and it was, a also someone that I think in Dustin that could teach and be able, same thing. Every, every opponent that you look at for Ahmed in this period of time was someone that could help teach him and slow him down. And that was important. And Goldust was red hot at the time and very controversial.
0: So talk to me a little bit about Ahmed, you know, and, and his approach here, because we've heard a lot of times, even sort of tongue in cheek. Guys like Kurt Angle would tell you, well, I can't lose. So Ahmed's finally going to lose, although it is with a screw job. And then we're going to have uh, another fellow who you would call androgynous almost insinuate that he's making out with him while he's unconscious. And we know that Scott Hall was none too happy about that creative just, you know, earlier this same year. How was Ahmed with, all right, we're going to beat you. So you're finally going to lose. And oh yeah. Then we're going to have gold make out with you.
1: Ahmed saw the opportunity and the chance to be in a program and have a story behind it.
0: How great was Ahmed in the execution though? When he ran that guy through the door, man, that shit looked real. I mean, I guess it was it wasn't real. Just saying it, 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 it translated well, right? Vince and you had to be fucking pumped.
1: You know, it, tra- it translated uh, to real because, again, it was real and you felt the emotion. And that was something that Ahmed, Ahmed could do anger
0: well. So let's talk about King of the Ring 96. Of course, it's remembered mostly these days because Steve Austin coined the Austin 316 phrase in his uh, victory promo when he became the King of the Ring. But it's also notable because Ahmed Johnson gets his first intercontinental title reign defeating Goldust. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is a big moment for him. I think he's not, uh, he's not only the first African-American intercontinental champion. I think he might actually be the first African-American singles champion in company history. Of course there had been, you know, black tag champs before, but I think he was the first black, uh, world champion or intercontinental champion. Does that seem right to you?
1: I honestly have no idea, Um, but I tell you, it was a big deal for Ahmed, and it was one of those where you sit back and you look, we're watching Ahmed, and even in those early days, you look at him and you kind of visualize, I could see Ahmed as WWE champion. Yeah. So this was the first step to, to getting to that point.
0: The Intercontinental title has largely been known in wrestling circles as the quote unquote workers' belt. So, you know, guys like Randy Savage or Mr. Perfect or Bret Hart or Owen Honky Tonk Man. There you go.
1: Greatest Intercontinental champion of all time, baby.
0: Is there a concern that perhaps we've put the belt on a guy now who we're not sure could go pull off a 20 minute match? Or do we just think, ah, you're putting too much thinking into that, Conrad? He's an attraction and he's going to get wins and sell tickets
1: again, I don't know that anybody within the the business that's actually in the business would refer to the Intercontinental Championship as the workers' title. Again, Honky talk, Man was the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time, Honky being one of the best workers in the business, and it was, you know, a championship, and I think that it was the right stepping stone for Ahmed at the time.
0: Um, Well, here's what I'm trying to drive at, I guess. Back when you had Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior and, and big old dudes,
1: who maybe didn't Ultimate have. Warrior was
0: intercontinental champion Hulk Hogan was not, I'm trying to tell a sentence here. If I could just finish one goddamn sentence, that'd be good. Back, I when, know. We'll back, finish it then. back when you had guys like uh Hulk Hogan and <laughs> ultimate warrior as world champion, you had intercontinental champions like Brett or Mr. Perfect or Shawn Michaels. Now it almost feels like that's flip-flopped or maybe if you're coming to see a great match back then, you would have watched the intercontinental championship match, but. If you wanted to the attraction, the guy who sold the tickets, well, you're going to have to wait to see Hulk in the main event. But now it feels like that's flip-flop. Shawn Michaels is without question the best wrestler in the world in 1996, and Ahmed Johnson is not exactly. So maybe that was a bit of a paradigm shift. For years and years, the WWF had strong undercards and maybe a weak main event as far as the quality of the match with a guy like the Ultimate Warrior or Hulk Hogan. But now with Shawn Michaels, that's no longer the case, right?
1: Well, no. Again, you know, Honky Honky was champion during Hogan's reign. Warrior was champion during Hogan's reign. Um, No, I don't think it holds. I don't think that holds water at all. It was just you look at the attractions and you look at at what you have at the time.
0: Talk to me a little bit about the uh, the six man that you had planned for international incident. It's supposed to be the Ultimate Warrior. Shawn Michaels, and Ahmed Johnson. And there's promos out there of those three together talking about. Oh
1: God, take, that's had to be got. I would like to see that.
0: <laughs> talking about taking on Vader, Owen Hart, and Davey boy. But of course we all recall warrior either quits or is fired, whoever you believe. Uh, and the team is instead joined by Sid. So now it's Sean, Sid, and Ahmed. Do you think the appeal of Ahmed gets lost a little bit when you have, A guy like Sid, towering over him and just as jacked.
1: Um, I don't, I don't know if it takes away from him, but it does put a spotlight on him. That spotlight spreads at that point.
0: Oh, Hey, real quick. I wanted to tell you what Matthew in Pennsylvania wrote. I had a great experience at SaveWithConrad.com. I worked with Derek and he quickly answered any questions I had. Being able to text him directly made things so much easier than having to wait on phone calls or schedule meetings at the bank. Being able to do everything from home was extremely convenient. I was in a tough spot with the pandemic going on, but it looks like everything is going to work out for me just in time. I would definitely recommend Conrad and his team to anyone looking for mortgage help. How can we help you? You don't need perfect credit, you don't need money out of your pocket. But you do need 10 minutes at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. We're licensed in more than 40 states, and you even get to skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. Let's uh let's talk about the match. They go 24 minutes and 32 seconds. The bad guys get the win. Meltzer would say overall a very good main event, as expected. Michael's carrying the match for his side. Johnson tagged in and threw three dangerous back suplexes on Hart, whose landings didn't look too pretty. And he appeared to have hurt his elbow and shoulder legitimately. He used the Pearl river plunge on Smith, but Vader made the save. Uh, I should, I guess we should mention, um, there's a, a weird spot where a fan hops the rail and makes it all the way to the ring apron. And at that point, both Ahmed and Davy boy seemed to notice him. And Ahmed blocks him first. And the fan took one look at Johnson and voluntarily jumped off the apron into the police and, uh, a big pop from the crowd, kind of a cool moment in the match here where they want to get involved in the match. And then they come face to face with Ahmed and just rethink all that shit a little bit.
1: If you had that choice, I
0: would jump down to a
1: big sweaty Ahmed Johnson. Who's like in the middle of a match and just ready to go. And he's coming for you or the arms of the policeman, where all they're going to do is handcuff you and take you away. What's your choice?
0: Is it, well, clearly it's a no brainer, but how funny is it? Do you think that it's interesting to me that the highlight of the whole thing is the fan jumping the rail and running into Ahmed. I mean, it was for me anyway.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's you don't expect that. And also (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, I don't care what side what side you're on. Ahmed is a big intimidating uh, in Any arena, Ahmed's huge.
0: Do you remember when, when this match is coming through the curtain, coming in the back, Owen or anybody talking about these dangerous looking suplexes, was there a concern that, oh shit, man, he might be hurting good talent out there. We got to, we got to watch this.
1: I think that, you know, when, when it got to the point of him actually hurting people, yeah, you know, it, it's like, you've got to be careful. You've got to know what the hell you're doing or don't do it.
0: I guess my question is, do you think Ahmed was hurting guys because of what you insinuated earlier, that he was going too fast? Does he not really know his own strength or is he just legitimately green or a combination of all three? It's kind
1: of a combination of all three. And I don't think that, uh, Ahmed intentionally hurt anybody. I think that it was lack of, lack of schooling, lack of just knowing the right way to do some things. And a lot of times you'll, you'll think that you're getting a skilled performer when in reality, you're getting someone that hasn't done a whole lot.
0: Uh, let's talk about the next night on raw. It's a big night. Ron Simmons, the former WCW world champion is going to debut as a new character Farouk aside. They've got him dressed in this blue gladiator gimmick and a really piece of shit blue helmet on his head and he literally kicks Ahmed Johnson in the kidneys and uh Ahmed and uh, Sean were teaming up to take on the Smoking Guns and yeah this is this is a a bad spot here Ahmed's legitimately hurt. What do you remember about Ron's debut and the whole Ahmed incident?
1: Man, you know, um it was a it was a big night. It was it was planned to be a big night for Ron Simmons and for Ron to come in and make an impact by kind of manhandling and doing some damage to Ahmed. A kick inadvertently landed wrong and hurt Ahmed and hurt him good. Um, so it's very unfortunate, but uh, it, that one was. Man, that was just an accident, wrong place, wrong time, wrong kick in the wrong spot.
0: What'd you think of uh sunny as the manager for Farouk? and he's immediately feuding with Ahmed Johnson. Some people online, whenever we posted that we were doing an Ahmed Johnson topic, uh, I don't know, maybe made much ado about nothing. Oh, you've got two African-American fellows feuding with a white man, white female manager. I thought that was a little bit of a stretch.
1: Yeah, I don't even want to comment on that. That's just silly.
0: Uh, It's the same taping later on where there's a battle royal to determine the number one contender to face the winner of Sean and Vader for the Raw after SummerSlam, and Ahmed wins that. So it's obviously not known at the time that Ahmed has hurt this severely, but how quickly after the show do we learn, hey, Ahmed's on the shelf for a little bit?
1: Um. <sighs> I want to say within the next, within the next couple days, I want to say that Ahmed, you know, left and was sore and was hurting, but then realized that, Hey, this is a lot more serious than anybody thought. Um, and went to a doctor and found out that he had a much more severe injury.
0: So it's even in the observer, Ahmed's, Ahmed Johnson's injury was announced on raw as being a ruptured kidney. Other reports are that as a severely bruised kidney and that Johnson now has blood in his urine, So they don't know exactly when it happened. Johnson also broke his nose during the six man, presumably from a stiff kick to the face by Owen Hart. He was considered doubtful for this coming weekend, but the presumption is he'll start back at SummerSlam. I've always found, you know, the Ahmed Johnson narrative interesting because it's not like he's out here combating it, doing a bunch of appearances and interviews, but people always say, oh, he was reckless. He was dangerous. And then here in back-to-back nights, we break the motherfucker's nose and severely bruise his kidneys to the point he's pissing blood. I mean, I guess there's a chance these are just receipts. But if there's dangerous...
1: (laughs) they're both accidents. Not for a second, not receipts for anything. It was Ron's first night in. It was a mistimed, ill place kick. And on Owen,
0: same thing. It's just weird, though, because when people talk about Owen Hart and Ron Simmons, they never talk about them in the vein of... Well, these guys were dangerous. You know, they hurt a lot of guys, but Ahmed Johnson, for some reason, gets that treatment. Why do you think that is?
1: Because he hurt a lot of guys.
0: Okay. Well, he got hurt too by those two guys. He undergoes surgery. Kevin Kelly interviews him. He's on TV before the surgery. And, uh, in the interview, Ahmed states, he doesn't know if he'll ever be able to physically, uh, defend the intercontinental title. Um, interesting comment from a quote unquote baby face. Usually they're. I'm going to be right back out there, daddy. And all that shit. Uh, is this Ahmed just freestyling or was that the plan where you're wanting to tease? No, no,
1: that it's, it's one of those injuries that it's internal and time. Some people heal quicker than others. And this was one of those situations that nobody could give you a prognosis of, okay, he'll be better in two weeks or he'll be better in three weeks. It was, we got to wait and see how he heals up.
0: It actually winds up being that way. He's in and out of the hospital multiple times due to complications from the surgery. Uh, there's rumors that, Hey, this could be a legitimate career ending injury. They even give periodic updates on his condition. And, uh, he makes an appearance on live Wire, which we got to do a show on one day. Uh, we don't see him again until in your house buried alive, which is in October. And he attacks Farouk backstage with a two by four, causing him to miss his intercontinental title match against Marco Mero. Uh, the reason, of course, is Farouk has a hamstring injury. The injury bug has bit you guys in a big way here in the fall of ninety six, has it not?
1: Yeah, it usually does. (laughs) You know, it comes and it kind of spreads around like a virus of
0: sorts. Uh Gorilla Monsoon is going to suspend Ahmed after the attack, which is just a cover to give him more time to heal. In the meantime, though, Farouk forms the nation of domination. And Ahmed Johnson comes back on November 18th to clean house again with a two by four uh, at the In Your House uh, My Time pay per view, which is uh, December or it's time, not my time, uh, December of '96. Vince McMahon conducts an in ring interview with Ahmed, announcing that Ahmed is going to wrestle Farouk at the Royal Rumble. And Ahmed in the interview talks about how his injury made him lose his girlfriend, his car, and his house, and all he has now is the fans. Farouk comes out and calls, uh, Ahmed Johnson, uncle Tom. And he says he'll finish Ahmed Johnson off at the Royal rumble boy. If this isn't the beginning of the attitude era, it ain't far away. Is it? Yeah, no, it
1: was, uh, definitely the beginning and, and some of the stuff, you know, he lost his girlfriend, his car and his house is kind of, uh,
0: sounds like a country uh, song.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and my dog got sick by yeah, God. Yeah. Uh, it, it could definitely, definitely be that way. But, but sometimes I think that Ahmed psychology was a little amiss.
0: So chat me up about the creative here with, with him coming out and listing off all those things that this injury cost him and then Farouk calling him that. Is this something y'all run past anybody no. or are they just freestyling?
1: No, this is guys going out and cutting their own promos.
0: Um, Listen, I know you don't give a shit about the PWI 500, but back in the day, the Meltzer—not the Meltzer, but the After magazines—people got excited about that particular issue, and Ahmed Johnson was ranked number five in the world for 1996. <laughs> 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 He's the fifth best wrestler you know in the world. We
1: waiting for them PWI five five uh, hundreds to come out all the time. We're like, oh shit, man. Uh, damn, I was number eight. I think I should have been six. Yeah. What the fuck?
0: I'm in Johnson at number five, though. He's the fifth best wrestler in the world, Bruce.
1: Yes. <laughs> Who's arguing it
0: now? Speaking of awards
1: four hundred or what? I, I don't get it.
0: We should mention he won the worst. That's
1: like being in, in the, in, in the wrestling observer, whatever.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, the observer readers voted him worst on interviews do you think Ahmed Johnson deserved that? Was he the worst on interviews? Hmm. Do you have a favorite That's Ahmed Johnson so interview?
1: Ahmed. <laughs> Do I have a favorite Ahmed uh interview? No, I don't. Did when you... they were over? Huh? When they were over? Uh, Ahmed rushed his interviews like he did his matches. So it was, he would get all excited and just go so fast. You couldn't understand anything. He said It's like warrior you you couldn't, uh, they're they're mumbling and talking about shit. You have no idea what the hell they're talking about.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty bad. There was a video game that came out around this time on PlayStation and, uh, you would get like a, a video of the guy cutting a promo. Before the game actually started, like if you picked him or whatever. And dude, it's hard to make out anything he was saying. He was so excited, and there was a lot of intensity there, but it was Ultimate Warrior esque. You had no idea what in the world he was talking about. Shotgun Saturday Night debuts on January 4th from the Mirage Nightclub in New York. And besides Marlena flashing Bob Backlund, the most memorable moment is Hamid Johnson hitting D Brown with the Pearl River Plunge on a car. Talk me through this. What do you remember about this spot?
1: it was you know it was our first uh, shotgun saturday night we were live live and that was pretty difficult to do in syndication in the in those days because because you are in syndication and now you're you want this thing to be live live you're dealing with oftentimes markets that are not Beyond prime time, most markets weren't set up in those days to take live feeds in at all hours of the day. So it was a little difficult, but we really wanted to make an impact with this live shotgun Saturday night. And you're in New York City. um, Man, let's do some wild and crazy stuff. So we wanted to do some Wild West stuff, which ended up with D-Lo getting uh, Pearl River Plunge on top of a car. It's like, let's take it to the streets. Let's go on out. Let's have some fun. Uh, That was the same one where we chased Corny out in his underwear and everything too. Right.
0: All right, Bruce, it's time to talk about something you and I both love talking about, and that's our pets. We've debated this for a long time, but I think it's clear now that ginger is the official dog of something to wrestle. That's been well established.
1: Yeah. Well, Dodger is actually the official dog of something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. And did you know that up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut?
0: I did know that. I did know that because I know about solid gold and Hey, don't you interrupt my commercial here. I'm been carrying the heavy water for solid gold. I know your dogs love the dog, the dog, uh, the human grade bone broth, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It goes on everything and they love it.
0: So serious business. This is real. Okay. We're deviating from the script, but solid gold will be happy because this is real life in real life in the Pritchard household in your refrigerator. If Stephanie opens the door and twists that cap, the dogs go nuts. True or false.
1: Yes. Every single one of them comes running with the little tails wagging, and they just, you know, it'll even take a sip, but they get it on their food and they absolutely love it. And if you don't get that little pop,
0: they're not as happy. So let me just explain. We believe in solid gold because we know it's good for our dogs. And you've been hearing us talk about solid gold forever, but you need to know your dog is going to love it too. I mean, listen, when I was a kid, my mom tried to make me eat my vegetables. I didn't love that. Okay. Your dog is going to love solid gold. This is real life. And by the way, a proper diet and digestive health is going to enable your pet to better fight environmental allergies. So if your, start, your dog starts to age a little bit and get a little wonky, it's probably because you haven't been feeding homeboy the right food. Solid gold to the rescue. Don't take our word for it. This is the world's first holistic pet food company started way back in 74 by Sissy McGill. She was inspired by the idea that European pet food and European Great Danes outlasted their American counterparts. So she created a recipe that's still in use to this day, and is helping our pets. And and, and we're not just talking about physically. We're talking our pets' mind, body, and spirit. High-quality food is the key to Solid Gold, and it's something that you've been using for years now. Right, Bruce?
1: Absolutely. And Solid Gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high-quality food is the best way to impact our pets' mind, body, and spirit, as you said. It's just like us. We want high-quality food. Why should you deny your dog?
0: Solid Gold has revolutionized this holistic pet food category, and they have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including healthy, whole-grain, grain-free, wet food, supplements like sea and Dodger's favorite, 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. Solid Gold foods are just different. They cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, they balance with living probiotics, and they fuel with omega-3 and six fatty acids, supporting gut health and nourishing your pet both inside and out.
1: And solid gold is the place to do it. So right now, to save thirty percent on select solid gold products, go to solidgoldpet slash Russell. That's solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle to save 30% on select solid gold products. Remember solidgoldpet slash wrestle. We love solid gold. Dodger does too.
0: Uh, here's what I want to know though. You've told us before, you know, one of those backstage skits where guys are, uh, taking bumps in cars. It was a rib on Jim Cornette. And I think you've, you've told us before that you got- it
1: wasn't a rib on Jim Cornette. No.
0: Okay. All right. Whatever. Here's my thing. Whose car was this? Whose car were you fucking up? And was this a tongue in cheek? Was this Howard Finkel's or, I mean, no,
1: no, this was actually just a car that we rented for this stunt.
0: Okay. Wait a minute. You rented it. Somebody was getting banned from enterprise for life after that. Yeah. Oh, well, after six months of building up here, we are the Royal rumble, 1997 Ahmed Johnson's finally getting in the ring and getting his hands on Farouk. We covered it way back when in the archives, but let's briefly recap here. They go eight minutes and 48 seconds. And Ahmed gets the win with the entire NOD interfere for the DQ. Meltzer would say Johnson cleaned house on most of them, including pressing Wolfie D and throwing him over the top rope onto the other members. And afterwards chased down another member and gave him a Pearl river plunge through the French broadcast table. Better than expected star and a half that's a pretty big deal. This is still the era where we're not going through the announcer's table every single week. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's happened a handful of times, but it's still a big deal. Um, why did it make sense to do that spot here? We're trying to reestablish Ahmed Johnson as he's a top guy. He's a special attraction. He's out for blood.
1: Yeah. Let's do something different. Let him be destructive. And it wasn't something that was overused and, um, constantly just became a, a spot. It was, it was special. And let's do something special for this
0: at this point in January. I mean, it's not a clean finish, but he does put a guy through a, uh, a table. Did you already have WrestleMania in mind that we're going to do Ahmed nation stuff at, at WrestleMania in uh, January,
1: in January? Yes. Okay. In mind. I don't think it was done yet though.
0: So the feud between nation and Ahmed doesn't end and Ahmed's running around with two by fours doesn't end either. Whose idea was it for Ahmed to be the new Jim Duggan, for lack of a better word. It seems like every time we see him in this era, it's a two by four. And I guess if, if you're taking on a whole gang, you need a weapon. How do we land on a two by four?
1: You know, the, the, um, the vision of fist, you ever see the movie fist with Sylvester Stallone? No. Uh, it, it's loosely based on Jimmy Hoffa's story. And it, in that there was this scene and they all had sticks and some of them had two by fours and shit, but there's one point and it was about unions. And there's one point where the strikers and the scabs and yep. whatever, they get into it. And, and it just, there was a picture of this guy with this two by four.
0: I'm looking at it right now.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of where it's like, give him a goddamn two-by-four. It looks badass. And yeah, Duggan had done it, and there was reservations about Ahmed doing it because Duggan had done it. But I remember that that vision of the guy with the two-by-four, and it just looked badass. Well, And Ahmed looked badass. I mean, first of all, Ahmed's walking down the hall. I'm going to walk the other way. Yes, sir, Mr. Johnson, go ahead. Which way do you want to go? Um, but give him a two-by-four? A little scary. And Duggan was dangerous with two by four because Duggan couldn't see. And trust me, I've been hit with that two by four many times. And bless his heart. I love Jim to death. But it was up to you to move.
0: Well, somebody should have told Ahmed because uh this is from the Observer. The belief is that Farouk at the Continental Airlines on February 9th splintered aboard and the splinters got into his arm and it was infected and badly bruised. After the raw in Lowell, where Shawn Michaels lost his smile, the infection got so painful that they went to the hospital and they had to hook him up to an IV and he was there for five days. Boy, Ola Med's run here is snake bit, is it not? It doesn't look like our man's going to be able to stay healthy at all.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was more than a little snake bit. It just, when that injury bug bites and it kept biting him and it was one thing after another.
0: It's announced that Ahmed Johnson and the Legion of doom are going to team up at WrestleMania 12. It's a Chicago street fight and was billed locally as the co-main event against the nation Farouk, crush and Savio. Is this just a way to get LOD on the card since we're in Chicago? And maybe Ahmed still nursing an injury. Would this originally have been one-on-one? Did we feel like Ahmed needed the LOD rub in Chicago? Chat me up about how this Pam a six man.
1: Well, it looking at the overall card and we were negotiating with uh, Legion of doom at that time for them to come in. So it was something that just made sense. And Ahmed being one guy against this whole gang that he needed backup and what better backup than Legion of doom.
0: Well, let's talk about the match. Uh, we've got LOD and Ahmed Johnson on one side for root crush and Savio on the other, it's an all out brawl, 10 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, we've covered this one in the archives, maybe most notable. Uh, and boy, there's some crazy stuff here. Uh, but the thing I remember the most is the fire extinguisher spot. Briefly remind everybody about that spot at WrestleMania 13.
1: <laughs> Anytime there's a fire extinguisher spot, it's a great spot. So, I mean,
0: but they use use the wrong kind of fire extinguisher, right?
1: Well, see, here's the thing. While yes, they did that fire extinguisher never should have been there.
0: I see my opinion.
1: That's that's see, that's my comeback to it was whoever put that one down there. Because for pyro, you want to use the, the CO2 and stuff. Yeah, it was, um, any fire extinguisher spot is great. I, I'll tell, I'm going to tell you a quick story one time. So, when we did the uh, WrestleMania five with Piper, and folks at home don't don't ever try this at home. Don't ever do this, especially in your offices. Don't ever do this. But. We had a lot of uh, CO2 fire extinguishers all throughout the building at the studio. In the studio, we were kind of an entity unto ourselves. We were kind of away from everybody. We worked late, late, late hours into the wee hours of the morning and uh, played a lot of wiffle ball inside uh, the studios and things of that nature. But during that time, when I discovered these fire extinguishers, we used to use the fire extinguishers on each other. Like surprise somebody and go, oh, hey, man, uh, can you go get this tape for me? Somebody come around the corner, you hit him with a fire extinguisher. And you'd like lay in wait sometimes, and there would be these, look, it gets boring and it gets tedious all hours of the night. you got to entertain yourself some way. Well, one night, very late at night, I was waiting for uh, someone to come up the stairs, and they're coming up the stairs. I hit him with a fire extinguisher. The only thing was it was chemical fire extinguisher and that shit like goes everywhere. Thank God I did it upstairs in the offices, not, you know, downstairs near any equipment because this shit like got, I mean, left dust all over the entire second floor of the offices in the cafeteria and the dressing rooms and the makeup area and the offices that were open. And again, thank God, most of the doors were closed and we were like, Holy shit. I mean, we couldn't breathe for a while. (laughs) It was great. Um, so folks don't play with fire extinguishers. This is not an ad. This is just a, this is a public service announcement for me to you. Don't play with fire extinguishers because sometimes they could be shit that you don't want to fuck with. Just saying.
0: Well, I'm glad the the uh, Road Warriors got to fuck with this match because this is probably the highlight of their 1997 run, is it not?
1: Yeah, because it was their return. It was Chicago, and kind of hard to get higher than that at that point in their career.
0: Ahmed Johnson is uh, is hurt here in this match. He takes a bump from the middle rope to the floor. Wow.
1: You know what's weird? Yeah. That's terrible. I'm I'm digressing. Um, just hit me. Yeah, both those guys are gone.
0: Yeah, throat warriors.
1: Both. Yeah. But and and you know both Joe and Mike and and it's you forget that sometimes when you think about you know things and and history and damn I miss both those guys. I'm sorry. I digressed.
0: Um, that's okay. Farouk took a bump from the middle rope to the floor, which is likely the move. He separated his shoulder on, and he's currently out of action. So the original plan was, uh, Farouk and Ahmed at in your house, cold day in hell, but now it's Ahmed working with Savio and crush. And the idea being, if he defeats all three nation members in three separate matches, then they'll have to disband. Yeah. So three matches for Ahmed Johnson on pay-per-view. Did you just hate us? Is this what you're doing? You hated us and you wanted us to hate Ahmed three. You three? particularly. Yeah. I knew you had to heat with me. I knew that. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> man, uh, sometimes you get stuck and sometimes you've, you've got to do what you got to do.
0: So. On the pregame show, Farouk says he's hurt, which he was. Ahmed that and that Savio Vega was hurt, which he wasn't, and that Crush had the flu, which he didn't. But because of that, they wanted all three matches in a row. And Ahmed agrees, providing that Farouk wrestles first. And Farouk didn't go first, but the matches were in a row. But still, yeah. Back to back to back. You're uh, welcome. Five minutes and fifty thirty eight seconds uh for uh crush, and then five minutes and 57 seconds for Vega, two minutes and 10 seconds for Farouk. And Meltzer would say it was also better than you'd think considering who was involved. Johnson didn't sell for long and got a near fall with an inside cradle. Then he hit the spine buster and Pearl River plunge. Farouk kicked out of the plunge to the crowd's amazement. Farouk then hit a chop block and scored the pin with a dominator, three quarters of a star. So this makes no sense to me. I mean, maybe it does, I guess, Hey, we're going to beat him, but he'll have to wrestle two other guys and beat them too. So the the loss doesn't hurt as much. I don't know, man, this is the feud that won't ever end. And everybody's hurt every time they touch.
1: Yeah. It needed to end though. Yeah. (laughs) Just for their own health in the sake of their own well being, So they could actually walk. Yeah, it definitely needed to end. But again, it was, who's going to believe that that, you know, one guy can be those three.
0: Well, but here's my thing. What, why have Farouk so quickly in the match kick out of the Pearl river plunge, is this a new era where we're no longer as concerned? Well, about because
1: the, Farouk, I mean, uh, Ahmed had already been through two matches, so, so it well, wasn't as
0: effective. Okay. I love your Man, wrestling. Don't you wasn't. know that? Thank you. I appreciate that. It's this is what, Pay attention. That's why you're here, baby. You got to smarten <laughs> me up.
1: Thank I've you. been wondering. <sighs>
0: We all have. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits.
1: I mean, who doesn't want instant gratification? You know what I mean? I mean, if you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma money, you can win cash reimbursements for debit purchases.
0: Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursement for making purchases And when you use your Credit Karma Money account debit card, you win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with a debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away more than $3 million in Instant Karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your your FDIC-insured spend account for free. No minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here.
1: Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant karma is sponsored by credit karma. No purchase necessary exclusions and terms apply. See rules, banking services provided by MVB bank Inc member FDIC maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
0: Uh, Ahmed the next night is on raw and he defeats triple H by DQ. So now triple H is out king of the ring, right? So the next week hunters back in the tournament after claiming he would file a lawsuit if he wasn't told, that he would, uh, be eliminated if he was DQ'd in reality, Vader got hurt at cold day in hell in his match for Ken Shamrock. So triple H is substituted back into the tournament. Things change Conrad, right? Damn. Right. Can you imagine? Well, actually,
1: he wasn't told about that disqualification rule.
0: Can you imagine though, for real, if there was a Ahmed Johnson Vader match, given the the string of injuries. This is not good for it. It's probably better. It didn't happen.
1: If he had a cup of coffee with one eye and
0: <laughs> somewhere, surely very happy. Uh, yeah. this is from the, uh, observer quote. Ahmed Johnson did an interview saying that Farouk was right about the WWF, never letting a black man hold the title, but now he's going to win the title for the fans of all colors. So that's pretty cool, right? It felt like the nation at times was maybe a racist gimmick or whatever, Hey, I'm here to just represent the fans. Let's go, Ahmed. Of course, Farouk beats him, <laughs> and the Undertaker interferes, and that leads to uh, Taker choke slamming Ahmed Johnson. Is this the first time we've even discussed the possibility of Ahmed as a heel? Because the Undertaker at this point very much a babyface, but for him to choke slam Ahmed, it's almost like, oh, what's going on here? Right.
1: Well, it was also part of taker's character, kind of like stone cold in later years where taker had no bias as far as who he would attack, whether his baby face or heel. So it was kind of more playing with taker's character than anything else.
0: So at King of the ring, 97 triple H beats Ahmed in the first round before eventually winning. So the guy who wasn't supposed to be in gets back in and wins. Do you remember what the original plan was? Because again, in '97, Ahmed beat him by DQ, so he's out. Ahmed's supposed to wrestle Vader, but Vader was hurt at the pay per view, so they they slide Hunter back in. I think history sort of forgets that part of Hunter's story.
1: Yeah, and I, and I I'm sure it's just more than anything was all the injuries all at the same time and kind of. You know, you're looking at how everything is going to shake out after the fact and what you need, where, um,
0: I guess my question is, was Ahmed Johnson originally considered to be king of the ring?
1: Not, no, not to my knowledge. I don't think Ahmed was ever.
0: I mean, no. he, he won the goddamn Kuwaiti cup. Are you saying that don't matter? That's not, that's not apples and pomegranates. That's about the same prestige same level. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah well, King Kuwaiti cup, King Kuwaiti cup. Coity cup King.
0: Yeah. Let's do that. All right. So the next night on raw Ahmed finally gets a big pinfall win over Farouk. It's a WrestleMania six man rematch and, uh, the nation, uh, meaning crush and Savio walk out on Farouk. And that's the end of that version of the nation. The next week Farouk debuts Kama Mustafa as the newest member. And they team up to face Ahmed and undertaker in the main event here. We would see Kama pin his old pal undertaker clean. And then Ahmed Johnson turn on taker. And hit him with the Pearl river plunge. Farouk and Ahmed just spent months feuding with each other, but now we're putting Ahmed in the nation. Help me out here. How does, how do we get
1: enemies close when you've been to war and you've been to battle with, against someone, you know, what kind of metal they have. And by God, sometimes it's better to join them.
0: Talk to me a little bit about. Uh, why we turned Ahmed heel. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like it feels as if the, the company's behind him. Has he just spent too much time on the sidelines? Has it just not connected with fans the way we hoped? Why the, the change of course?
1: Well, again, I think that Ahmed was looked at as a project too. And if you can be under the learning tree of Ron Simmons, that's a good thing.
0: No doubt about that. that
1: that was, this was another way for Ahmed to be under, you know, here he is. He's working with Ron, and Ron every single night can help him along.
0: Well, man, I'm excited to see how that works uh, now that Ahmed is a heel. Uh, and he's a new challenger for the world champion Undertaker. We've sort of glossed over the fact. Anytime I've mentioned him so far, I've forgotten to mention that, hey, he won the world title at WrestleMania 13. So Ahmed now is uh, Pearl River Plunging, the world champ. So. We wanted him to be in that world title picture. Just turns out it's gonna be as a heel. Let's see how he does. Well, we never see it. The next week the nation and the debuting disciples of Apocalypse get in a brawl and Ahmed blows his knee out. We're we're dead, right?
1: Yeah. I mean now it's it's kind of one thing after another after another after another after another where you where you reach the point of is he ever going to be healthy long enough to realize anything?
0: Let me ask. And there's no way to ask this without just being a bit of a dickhead. So, uh, pardon me. Was there a concern or a belief or chatter or whispers? Is he really hurt every time? Or is this just, he wants to come off the road and maybe the lifestyle isn't for him.
1: I don't know. You know, um, to my knowledge, all those injuries were legitimate injuries. Um,
0: but you see why somebody would, would think that I'm
1: sure somebody did say that, but you know, from the, from our vantage point, a lot of times, you know, you, you take doctors and you take their prognosis and you, you listen to what they have to say, but I'm sure that some of the boys and, and maybe some of them weren't as bad as they were presented.
0: This is the second time the company has put Ahmed in a position to be at the top of the card and the injury happens that takes him out at this point. Is it just understood or does it have to be explicitly said guys, we can't bank on him right now. We'll, we'll figure something out when he comes back, but we got to move on.
1: Yeah. You have to say that. I mean, because you couldn't, and that's just a fact that you're faced with every single day.
0: So Ahmed undergoes the surgery. We don't see him again until the raw before SummerSlam. He returns to hit the Pearl River plunge on chains. who was uh, actually Brian Lee on the floor. And, uh, he gets involved again at SummerSlam quote outside the ring chains punched Ahmed Johnson. Johnson went to give him a Pearl River plunge, but it wound up being a power bomb as he appeared to be trying to protect his knee, but somehow ended up hurting it worse. They did put him in the ring at raw the next night to do an angle where the NOD turned on him to explain his longer absence and give him an issue to return for. Although before the NOD attack, it was clear in the ring that his knee was gone. Did Ahmed just come back too soon after surgery here? Yes. It's uh it was, I
1: want to come back. I want to come back. I'm fine. I'm fine. I can protect it. And then reality was he wasn't.
0: I, I I'm, I'm feeling bad for the guy now because it feels like every time he turns around, he's getting moved up the card. And then as Aaron likes to say, we're cutting his water off. Uh, but it's not, it's not we weren't cutting his water off. He was getting hurt. That's what I mean. I don't mean, yeah. I don't mean you guys. I mean, his fucking his body is like, Nope, we're not ready. Uh, he's taken out of the nation. He's replaced by Rocky. My So I don't know whatever happened to that guy. Maybe it worked out. Now Ahmed's back to being a baby face. In hindsight, was it a mistake to try him as a heel? I mean, there's no way he could have ever predicted the injury though, right?
1: No. And, and frankly, I thought he was good as a heel. He was very believable as a heel.
0: So the first ever raw from Madison square garden happens on September 22nd. Uh, so much to that show. It's the debut of cactus. Jack Austin's going to stun Vince and get arrested. And before the show even starts, uh, Vince meets with Brett and says, Hey, go see if you can get that WCW deal. I can't honor your contract. A lot going on, including Ahmed Johnson returning for the Intercontinental Championship tournament. Uh, of course, Austin had to vacate that title after Owen dumped him on his head at SummerSlam. And Ahmed's going to pin Rocky Mavia to advance to face Farouk. But at some point, he manages to cut his hand open from an exposed nail here at the garden and tears tendons. So, yep. Yep. He's supposed yep. to win over Farouk and, uh, go on to f- uh, face Owen in the finals. That doesn't happen. Instead it's Farouk and Ahmed is officially the most unlucky man in professional wrestling history.
1: Yeah. He's back well. in a few weeks
0: though. And he's going to be teaming with the nation and Ken Shamrock and they're going to take on the survivor series. And then another injury happens, uh, Owen Hart suffers a severe concussion in his match with Ahmed Johnson at the Tulsa show. He's not supposed to be back until the November 7th show in Toronto. And it's believed that Hart suffered the concussion in a match that aired on October 27th, where Johnson delivered what was called a scissors kick that looked totally brutal. Owen's eyes were clearly uh, glassy from that point on. And he told people that he thought he was actually knocked out on a clothesline from Ahmed right before the kick. There's tremendous heat backstage on Johnson for both. Uh, and the pr- previous night in Oklahoma city, he got into a small, but legitimate fight with D'Lo Brown and Farouk ended up trying to break it up, but re aggravated his bad knee in the process. Lot to unpack here. Do you remember Ahmed injuring Owen?
1: I, I vaguely do. Um, I do. I I remember hearing about the fight, you know, with, with D-Lo probably much more so. And, um, that was, that was kind of one of those that, um, I think D-Lo had had enough of Ahmed backstage and, and just thinking that Ahmed, uh, was cutting promos on on people and D-Lo being the young, you know, the youngest of the group kind of, you know, Took it and then took as much as he could take. And I think that people kind of looked at D Lo. You know, D Lo used to be a uh, a CPA, I believe. Yeah. Um, and you know, looked at, oh, well, you're, you know, you're a CPA or whatever. And D Lo's a double tough son of a bitch. <laughs> um, and I think D Lo got to the point where he was he was done and uh was like, Do you want to go? Let's go. And they went. And I think Ahmed regretted it.
0: You saying DLO won the fight
1: sort of heard. I wasn't there. So from the people that were there sort of heard. I was, I was there when, when rock
0: backed him down, wait, tell me the rock story. I don't know this
1: Uh, rock was was same, same kind of thing. It was, it was in the dressing room and, and, uh, and Ahmed was complaining about something and, and rock just kind of, you know, basically, if you want to go, let's go. And I met back down huh. and nobody was stopping anybody in that one. And, and I, and I was there in, in the dressing room for that, but it was, again, it, it's, there's a lot of that much ado about nothing, but if, you know, so yeah, the, the, so when you hear the DLO thing, it was like, okay, I could, I could see that DLO's a tough son, bitch.
0: Here's the thing too. I know a lot of our listeners probably are a little bit like what, but the rock, You know, he, he's not this Disney character that you see on TV. Uh, Let's not forget. You got a scholarship (laughs) to play defensive line at the U and when you're playing defensive line in Miami with guys like Warren Sapp, you're a bad motherfucker. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So old Dewey Johnson's a bad motherfucker,
0: but it's just funny. You know, people think, oh, he's just a promo guy. He, oh no, no. Before all the funny, cute rhyming shit, he was hurting people for real on the gridiron on a big level. So
1: yeah, yeah. Rock's kind of up there in in that, in that top five of guys, you would never want to mess with.
0: So there's a raw, not long after, uh, and Steve Austin and Ahmed get into a promo challenge and a match is made. And later on, Ahmed is in the ring waiting for Steve, but Kane comes out and destroys Ahmed with two tombstones. Feels like, uh, yeah. Survivor series 97, we all know what happened to the main event, but on the undercard, it's Ken Shamrock, Ahmed Johnson and the Legion of doom taking on the nation. And, uh, Meltzer would say the purpose of the match is to get Shamrock over as one of the top echelon guys. And it seemed that that goal was accomplished. Um, Johnson and Farouk brawled to the back, but the brawl looked bad because Johnson didn't appear to be trying very hard to actually catch him. And when he, when they did, it seemed more like they were waltzing to the back rather than brawling two and three quarter stars at this point. Did it feel like Ahmed maybe wasn't as motivated? Was he dejected rightfully? So, uh, with his place on the card or just frustrated with his injury bug, it just doesn't feel like the same Ahmed here by the end of 97. Does it? Ahmed was
1: dejected. Uh, however, I think that everyone else was dejected with Ahmed. He came, came in with a very bright future. And a lot of opportunity and, you know, you're watching him and looking at him going, man, this could be the WWE champion. Every time that you got close to trying to take the next step for that to happen, inevitably something else would happen that would prevent it from taking that next step. So, so many, you know, after the first, okay, that can happen once, that can happen twice, it can happen three times. Four or five times after a while you start to you know it's fool me want, shame on you, fool me yep. why, shame on me and you you start to go, okay, man, maybe it's just um, something is preventing this from happening and it, it was always you know an injury it was always something.
0: Let's talk a little bit about you know the total. Just take a pause for a minute. We got backstage issues with fights. You've just mentioned there was a at least a verbal situation with The Rock, an actual dust up for real with D'Lo. He's had issues with Farouk. Uh, we've injured Owen. Owen's injured us. Uh, every time we turn around, someone's injuring someone. But I, the the common denominator is Ahmed's involved. Um, and this is supposed to be sort of the blow off of a, a year long blood feud with him and Farouk, and instead it feels like a fizzle. Um, he's scheduled to face Kane at in your house DX, but on his way to a show in Hampton, Virginia, he flipped his rental car three times and he's injured again. This is, uh, you know, man, if it wasn't for bad luck, my man here, Tony Norris would have no luck at all. Would he?
1: Yeah. Always something.
0: Let's talk about a little bit of, uh, Some heat brother from the observer quote Jarrett referred to Ahmed Johnson, who legitimately couldn't work, which is one of the reasons they did the angle as a quote unquote water retaining idiot, which is a steroid reference. Johnson called him a chicken shit, although it was somewhat bleeped. Slaughter came out and told Jarrett that on the pay-per-view he'd wrestle a major star because he was facing the undertaker and Ahmed has said in, in more recent interviews, quote, Jeff Jarrett was one of the guys who had a problem and let me know by his actions that he did not like me very much. Is that based on Jeff's relationship with Owen and other talent? Or do you think Ahmed's just remembering things a different way? I think that, you know,
1: a lot of guys let Ahmed know that they, they didn't feel he was safe and, uh, weren't happy about his injuries to himself and to other people, uh, Jeff was probably one of those people, so. I think that there was a point where Ahmed might've felt that it was the world against him sometimes.
0: Finally, and this feels like it's long overdue. You got to send Ahmed to work out with Dory Funk and Tom Pritchard in Stanford. This is uh, early January, 98. Maybe you're telling him it's to get the ring rust off him, but clearly you're wanting to make sure he's in shape and he's not hurt and he's not going to hurt anybody. And Meltzer would say he showed up at around 280 pounds, but that's 35 pounds down from when he left. And supposedly he quote unquote, worked his way out of the doghouse with his attitude and willingness to learn. I'm sure you were getting some sort of updates from Dory or your brother, Tom. What do you remember about this?
1: No, hell. I was there every day. Um, Ahmed looked great and came back in and had a willingness to get in the ring and, and bust his ass and came in very humble and came in, you know, with an attitude of, you know, teach me. He came in with the right attitude and was a joy, joy to be around all week.
0: Well, it's not all bad news. He did win an award, uh, worst on interviews from the readers of the wrestling observer, two years running. So congrats to him for that. And Ahmed returns at the rumble and lasts a couple of minutes before Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown throw him out. And he would feel like, well, now we're back on track. Nope. Ahmed Johnson was hospitalized on the morning of February 2nd, when he collapsed on the airplane in Indianapolis due to dehydration, he did appear in chains, this corner at the taping, but probably will be out of action for a few days at this point. Are you just wondering, does he not want to be here anymore? Is the feeling mutual? The bloom is officially off the rose. We just got to get out of this.
1: The balloon was off the rose, without a doubt. And you start to ask your question, the question, and you question yourself, why? And you have to look at the investment. Do you want to continue to invest, regardless of, of what's happening here, um, in someone that is always going to be injured, or there's always going to be something, some kind of incident or some kind of issue? So, um, yeah, you got you got to make decisions, and you got to move on.
0: We're almost there. The last pay-per-view he would appear on is no way out. 98, which you recall, uh, had the famous replacement where Shawn Michaels couldn't wrestle. So the suitable replacement was Savio Vega. Uh, but that's not this match. This is Ken Shamrock chains, skull, and eight ball taking on the nation. At this point, it does feel like all Ahmed does is wrestle the nation, but either way, Shamrock makes Rocky submit to the ankle lock that sets up their WrestleMania match. That match is on February 15th, and it's Ahmed's last match for the company. Meltzer would say Ahmed Johnson was officially released on February 23rd. This stems from an incident at the TV taping on February 16th in Waco, Texas. Johnson had nearly four years remaining on a five-year contract. It's no secret. The company wasn't happy with him because of his injuring people, his own constant injuries and a poor work rate. In addition, because of losing momentum from the injuries and losing even more steam with the heel turn and a rapid face turn that nobody cared about him anymore, his stock had fallen tremendously since he was originally offered the deal and thought to be one of the top attractions in the company. He was instructed at the Dallas TV to do a job for Kurgan using the claw and he refused and walked out. He never returned missing TV the next night and his house show dates over the weekend my feeling, giving the knowledge going in that he would surely react this way because of what he was asked, not to mention being in Dallas where he ended up in an early part of his career, that the end result may have been more desired than what was asked as it was Titan has legally gotten out of the contract because he breached because God only knows how bad it would have looked if they actually had done that match on television and it wouldn't have been worth a thing coming out of it anyway. Uh, Norris was since has since claimed to friends that he never refused to do the job, was never asked to do the job, but he felt the company was burying him because he spoke openly on the wrong side of the fence on the touchy survivor series, finish issue. Uh, and Meltzer would say, Hey, that's what he claimed. So he's saying, Hey, they're punishing me because I supported Bret Hart in his decision, uh, to behave the way he did after the screw job in Montreal. And I stand with Brett. Meltzer says, well, I heard he wouldn't put over Kurgan with the claw and no showed. What do you remember?
1: I remember that we had Kurgan and the truth commission is a new, uh, new group, wanted to get them over and looking at, you know, top guy here, Kurgan was big seven foot Robert Malay, um, just a monster and going to try something and well, I remember it, Tony didn't want to do it. Left. The Simple as that.
0: The rumor and innuendo from Ahmed's side of the story is he's booked to appear in a segment with the Truth Commission where he was beaten and dragged up the entrance ramp. And he did an interview where he says, Quote, When I left, the reason I did leave and the reason I didn't tell Vince is because I'm not a crybaby. But my sister was dying, and she died like three days after I walked out the door, and they didn't know I was dealing with that, you know. And supposedly Ahmed's sister was an avid fan of the WWF. She was battling cancer and he didn't want her to have the image of her being beaten and dragged by the neck while she was gravely ill. And according to Johnson, 15 minutes before he was scheduled to have the match, which would end in his being attacked, he received a call that his sister was doing really, really bad and that he should come immediately to her in the hospital in Florida. Johnson says he then met with Vince McMahon and told him he had some things to deal with and immediately left the show and flew to Florida where a sister died the following week. Johnson has stated subsequently that he did not tell WBF management, the reason for his departure at the time, because he quote, didn't like to burden people with his problems end quote. Uh, and he didn't want to give the impression that he was telling them something for sympathy. Did you hear this story that Ahmed had a gravely ill sibling? I did not. This is all new to you right now for the first time. Yeah. Okay.
1: You know, I mean it it was it was laid out, you know, the T V laid out what it wanted to do and he left. Well that's what I know. I and and to my knowledge did not speak to Vince, didn't speak to me. Um and when it was time to go it was nowhere around. And people saw him leave, so we knew he left. Wasn't like
0: Yeah he's he's not seen on TV again until WCW brings him in as big T to be part of Harlem heat that lasts for a handful of months. Uh, it's not very great. Uh, they do a feud with him and Booker over the letter T that's real. It's like a Sesame street feud, I guess. I don't know. Um, he never becomes, he never comes back to the company and he's rarely spoken about on television again. Uh, Ahmed sort of gives the impression that he had a falling out with Vince McMahon. Maybe there was another conversation some other time. And basically Vince said, you'll never work in the wrestling business again. I find that a little hard to believe because nobody's ever heard Vince say anything like that. As far as I know, um, why why haven't we seen Ahmed back around? Do you know?
1: I don't know. Uh, you know, to my knowledge, I don't know that he's ever even inquired to come back the last time I saw him. Uh, he wasn't in any kind of ring shape.
0: Yeah. I just um, mean, in terms of sometimes you guys bring back legends and whatever, and, yeah. so, and, and even like conventions, I think I've only seen him or, or heard about him being at like one convention. He's not a regular to make appearances and whatnot is what I'm saying. It's almost like wrestling's firmly in his rear view mirror.
1: Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Um, but I gotta say this, you know, uh, Tony, Came in. Tony was from Houston. I was from Houston. Uh, I was living in Connecticut at the time. But I think that I don't think Tony was a bad guy. I really don't. I think he was a little misunderstood, and I think that he was a very defensive person in that he was someone that always thought everything was against him. Whether there were signs of it or not, he would make signs. Um, but when you would get like one-on-one with him and you would just talk to Tony, not Ahmed, he was a sweetheart of a guy. Yeah. Um, didn't really understand the business as well as he thought he did. And, but I, I, to me, it was sad because he had all the tools. He had the it factor. And had, you know, enough about him that he could have been a huge star if it weren't for his own, his own doing, you know, and, uh, yeah, it just was a shame. It really was a shame. Cause I think that he could have been a big star.
0: It's, uh, it's one of those great. What ifs, I mean, if the cards had fell a different way. There's a chance we could have seen him as the WWF champ. Don't you think yes. Some, sometime in 97, maybe?
1: I, I don't know what time frame, but yeah, he definitely could have been, man. He was on that trajectory.
0: What's your overall opinion of his work and career? What will his legacy be?
1: Not realized potential yeah. is, is, is it, um, he wasn't a good worker. He wasn't a good promo, but still he was an attraction. Even 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 all that, you know, Warrior wasn't a good promo. Warrior wasn't a good worker. Right. He was an attraction. Ahmed was an attraction. And I wish that for his own sake and for ours, for everybody else's, I wish that he could have grown more when he was here.
0: Real quick, I want to mention to everybody that uh, next week we're going to be bringing you Undertaker's 98 and 99. That should be an incredible show. Uh, we'll be back in 2 weeks to talk about King of the Ring 2001 and uh, don't forget we've got a big July coming up. Bret Hart's 1993, the Trish Stratus episode, an ask Bruce anything in your house 9 international incident. So much fun stuff coming your way, including something I don't want to spoil, but it's so over the top silly. I don't even want to tell Bruce about it yet. Uh, Adam Leeson, don't you give me that look. Uh, Adam Leeson has a question for us. He says, does Bruce think Ahmed would have fared better if he'd have been a part of the WWE a few years earlier? That's an interesting question. What if he came around in 93?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, because I don't know. I think that uh, Ahmed's demons are from within. So I don't know. I, I don't know if he could have handled it then, you know, any different than he handled it when he was here.
0: Matt Barker says his promos were abysmal, but he was a badass. Would a healthy heel Ahmed, with Jim Cornette's mouthpiece, have been considered for a world title run? Yeah, absolutely. You made the comparison a moment ago. J.M. Wagner says was Ahmed Johnson the mid '90s ultimate warrior? He couldn't work long matches. He was stiff in the ring, to the point of hurting people. He had nonsensical promos, but Vince kept him around because he was a, a quote unquote body guy.
1: He was an attraction, man. He, he just had a lot of charisma.
0: Bruce, Lord knows me and you are not exactly going to get out here and talk about, uh, physical fitness and, and give weightlifting tips. But my question is, do you believe that part of Ahmed's injury issue may have been, uh, and I'm not saying it happened when he was in the company, but sometimes we've heard that when guys lift too heavy for too long, whether they're using enhancements or not. Uh, they're just more injury prone. Would you say that was the case for Ahmed Johnson? Or
1: is it I really just the case by... for everybody? Yeah. That may do that. Yes.
0: Uh, Terrell says, can we hear what it would sound like for Cornette and Jerry Jarrett to be trying to convince Ahmed to let Goldust give him a kiss.
1: Oh, God damn. <laughs> no, no. You know what? I'm not going to let you know. I don't have any clue how that would sound.
0: Can you do an Ahmed impression of that terrible promo he used to do? <laughs> No, yeah, it's tough man.
1: it is it's it's yeah, a lot of mumbling, a
0: lot of mumbling,
1: yeah i can't i i mean it's it's between that and and someone played a a warrior uh, promo the other day that bless his heart, I couldn't understand a word, I mean like not even a word, and i might ahmed would have some of those sometimes where he would right after a match and sweating and spewing and, you know, snorting and farting and everything. And it's like, what the fuck did he just say?
0: So yeah, craziness. Do you, uh, since you brought him up the ultimate warrior, did you see any of the, uh, the documentaries that we, we all got to see a couple of weeks ago? what do you think of those?
1: No, I didn't see any of those. It's not
0: like you got free time.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm begging you to tell me when.
0: Well, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. I'm going to tell you that this next week, this is when me and you are going to talk Undertaker 98, 99, But before we get out of here, I want to play you a piece of that uh, video game. This is from Warzone. Mr. Punk, that little ass, body Buddy Boy, that poppy deal with the ass whipping, I'm going to give you in the ring if you want to step up to play team. Romo of the year, buddy. If you say so. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week. Talking all things undertaker ninety eight ninety nine right here on something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard.
1: Rock on.
0: <sighs> we made it. Did we love talking about my friend, Steven Singer? You know, the competition really hates him. He makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better, and he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every guest the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Head to Steven Singer Jewelers, and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the person next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The person next to you may be paying less. Do you want an important purchase like diamond jewelry to be based on your negotiating skills? Not the case at Steven Singer. Because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. Check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Why adfreeshows.com? It's simple. It's early and ad-free. Why wait for your favorite shows to drop when you can listen as soon as they stop recording? There's no need to wait. You can access it all before
1: anyone else can. Plus, no ads. No one telling you what to bundle or how to
0: keep that man part standing tall. None of that. It's just straight content from all your favorite hosts, including Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, Kurt Angle, and the rest of the team. That's not all. You also get immediate access to watching their reactions live on video as well. So don't put it off any longer. Do it now. You
1: won't be disappointed. Start enjoying all the podcasts you love early and ad free at adfreeshows.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen.